Next Chapter Podcast. Hi, my name is Michael Goodfriend, and I'm the executive producer of In the Cards. She is the voice of Nadia, the beautiful love interest to our hero, Gil. And uh, she has a voice that causes men to jump from ships and swim to rocky shoals to their death. Uh, and she's with us here today. Welcome, Kevin, and welcome, Jamie Ann. Thank you, Michael. Can I put that on my resume? Uh, <laughs> special oh. skills. The siren, the siren of podcasts. Well, as I refer to her as the, the mellifluous Jamie Ann <laughs> Romero. Is this your first time doing a podcast? No, no. Um, I've uh, I've been really fortunate to um, have experiences with several podcasts. Um, I've done some of the play on podcasts with um, Next Chapter that I really, really loved. And then I did another narrative podcast called Shipworm. Um, that was an absolute blast. One day, wham, bam. And um, I really like it. It's it's a it's a fantastic medium that I don't get to do very often. Um, and getting to play with different voices. Um, but this was the first time that I, I got to do something kind of contemporary that I haven't been able to do in a while. And it was really, really fun. I have to admit that I knew the answer to that question before I asked it. Obviously. <laughs> I was like, did you, you forget <laughs> that you've hired her before on previous podcasts, Mike? <laughs> Not at all. You Hi, Mike. The... I'm Jamie and Romero. Nice to meet oh, you. <laughs> great to meet you. I've only heard your voice. So seeing you in person is so confusing. No, and I and I listened to uh, Shipworm, which was a, a great story. Um, I like those guys over there; they do some good work. They're great. You know those guys. They they gave us advice on our on on in the cards. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, but I'm sure it wasn't as much fun working with them as it was working with Kevin and I. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, you are from where? I'm originally from Denver, Colorado, um, but I've been living in New York City for almost 10 years now. Just celebrated my nine-year anniversary. Oh. <laughs> and during that time, you took a little you took a little side sojourn, which is how we know each other, yeah. right? Yes. Um, uh, Michael and I met at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival in Ashland, Oregon. Um, I did was really lucky to do two wonderful seasons there in 2016 and 2017. And uh, one of the greatest experiences of my life. You were absolutely wonderful. Um, I remember you in, uh, uh, oh my God, <laughs> Justin, edit. <laughs> I remember you in nothing. Absolutely. Nothing. I remember you drunk in the corner of the bar after an opening <laughs> night. What show was that again? I can't remember the name of the freaking play about Will Shakespeare. Shakespeare in love. <laughs> That's what it was. Shakespeare in love. Yes, I remember you. So <laughs> You know what? Don't edit it. It's too good. <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> yes. No, but the, you were in Shakespeare in Love. You were in The River Bride and many other productions. What do you think of doing this whole thing, recording in isolation and and then hearing it months later? What's the experience like? Um, 
it's it's equal parts fantastic and a little terrifying um, because you don't know which take is going to be chosen and you're uh, I deal with a bit of self-doubt and I'm like oh I hope I'm I hope I'm as good as everyone else (laughs) Um, but you know when we did the the play on podcasts we recorded from home for some of them and I was in my tiny closet over here and with no AC because it was in the middle of summer and we couldn't have it running and it was so hot um getting to yeah room tone so getting to record this at the uh at the studios was fantastic to be able to you know move and actually run when you have to run right Um, you were so you were hermia in midsummer and cobweb oh right let us not forget cobweb (laughs) can do you remember your cobweb voice uh cobweb was very congested (laughs) (laughs) but very brave (laughs) you were in uh Coriolanus I was and Twelfth Night as well yes you were Viola in Twelfth Night with Mm -hmm. uh Amy Brenneman in a beautiful beautiful production and all of those were all of those remote I can't remember if yes wow no uh Twelfth Night was hybrid oh right right but this was the first time you were in studio all the time for mm-hmm. every episode. Mm-hmm. Were you? And, and can I ask a question, Michael? No. Am I allowed? No, this is just between <laughs> me and Jamie Ann. Stay away. Get out of here. I want to ask a question. So okay. it's interesting because, you know, I, I obviously have been living with the script for this story literally for years before you all got to it. And then we record it and uh, and then I'm living with it, you know, seven days a week 24 hours a day it seems so for you because we we recorded this back in january today it's the end of uh it's the very end of august i mean do, abby do you just forget about the project or you're like wondering what's going on or it's it's just I, i'm just curious about where people's headspaces are during that whole period no i haven't forgotten about the project at all. <laughs> i'm really excited to listen to it yeah. Um, and so I've, I've just been, I've been waiting with bated breath. <laughs> Interesting. Um, and the other, the other thing that's, you know, that, you know, from TV and film is, you know, when you're doing live theater, you have sort of some control over your performance and how you're going to be presenting yourself. And I mean, I just wonder what's, what, what goes through your head wondering how we're going to be putting it all together and, and whether that expectation uh, was fulfilled or different and, and how you're hearing it as it comes out? Uh, well, I mean, I have to say this process was really wonderful because you always invited us to have our first take just right out of the gate. You didn't give us really any direction. Just let us play for the first round, which was really lovely to like kind of get it in our bones and show you what we had in mind for the the scene. And then you would come in and craft little details and um, like tones or beats that you wanted to hit. So that was a really wonderful experience. Um, and then, you know, you're in the booth and you're like, oh, I really liked take two, but I think they liked take four. I guess we'll just have to wait and see what they pick. Um, <laughs> But I found listening to it, because I listened to it on my commute into work, um, and I've, you know, you can be a horrible self-critic when you're a creative, um, but I found myself completely getting lost in the story and just listening and getting enveloped um, because of the beautiful sound design and the editing and the story. Um, so I haven't had much time to 
not like what I did because I'm having such a good time listening to it. <laughs> did you know Connor Ratliff before you started this project? I didn't know him personally, but I loved his podcast, Dead Eyes. It was one of the most inspiring and engaging and beautifully told stories I've listened to on a in podcast or even in person. Um, he's just, he's got such a knack for storytelling. Um, and his voice was such a part of my life for a long time because you, you know, you listen to a podcast over the course of several months. Um, and I loved it so much that I waited to listen to the last episode for a really, really long time because I just couldn't there that the fact that it was over. <laughs> so um, I listened to the last episode and it was chef's kiss. You know, Jamie and both Jamie Ann and Connor were two of the people of the few people who I didn't know or have some sort of connection to. So, you know, you're, you're, there's, you're somewhat worried because this thing sort of thing came together so quickly. Um, uh, when Connor hopped on board and it was kind of like we went zero to, to 80 in a, in like a day or like a half of a day. And I was like, Michael, we don't, we don't know who's going to play Nadia. I mean, this is the most, you know, it is such an important element of this thing. It's kind of, um, he's like, okay, okay. I, was, I said, it's gotta be a real actor, someone who's a really great actress and is honest. And I like sort of family. Like that's, that's why we know so many people, I said, get somebody from the Next Chapter podcast family who you've worked with before and is going to play ball. And um, <clears throat> so I just feel blessed with the thing, with the way it came together. And and it was magical in the studio. It really, really was. I mean, I, I was really broken up a lot listening to the two of you. I mean, I was like fighting tears. It was so beautiful. And some of those scenes are just they're just so moving and it it came through you know I would close my eyes and listen when we you know so I'm not looking at a booth or so forth and and when I am listening to everybody do their scenes I know how it's going to play out with this with the sound effects and with the music so in my head it's it's almost when you guys were recording I could see the finished product and it was just so many things were so funny, but then also so many things were just so beautiful. And and I thought you and Connor just had a great, great chemistry together. And it, and it really shows, it shines right through. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, it was, it, it was palpable. It was really fun to record in those moments um, when things really settled, um, really sang in, in the studio. And for those listening, uh, you don't get to see each other and like act with each other. So like Connor and I weren't in the same room. We were in separate rooms on microphones. Um, and it, it kind of, cause we could hear each other in the headphones. It kind of reminded me of like being in eighth grade and talking to my crush on the phone, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, that is a great description. <laughs> um, but it was really great, really great experience. What's your experience with the occult? Well, how do you think I got this job? I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, uh, I, uh, I've had my tarot cards read before. Um, I, I uh, recently got my own tarot deck. And um, so it was, it's been fun to uh, play with reading the cards, but um, 
you know, I love all things woo woo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I read my horoscope and believe it sometimes. Damn right. <laughs> What's your sign? I'm a Leo. What are the traits of a Leo? Um, well, we're always described as uh, fiery and in the limelight and social, um, which I think is an aspect of me, but I think of myself more as an extroverted introvert because I really like to be alone and in my pajamas on the couch. <laughs> well, that's actually, it's a great trait for an actor to be an extrovert, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Because you, I mean, the work is extroverted, but the, I mean, the performance is extroverted, but the preparation is very introverted, isn't it? I mean, can be. It can be. Yeah, yeah. I definitely think there are aspects of that to the preparation for both, because if you do too much work on your own on the inside, I don't think you're going to play well with others. Um, mm. So it is really important to have all the other folks there to help uplift all the performances, you know, to play off of each other. That's what was so great about this cast was getting to play off of everybody's choices and hearing different ways that they would read the lines and different takes. Um, it's like, it's a, it's alive and crackling and bubbling. And if you're so introverted and stuck in your choices, you're not gonna play off of your fellow actors and director. You had these scenes with Lila Robbins, the great Lila Robbins. What a dream. She is just such a wonderfully warm and welcoming person. Um, on our breaks in between takes, we would, you know, sit in the lobby sometimes. And, you know, this process was very quick, so we didn't really get to know each other super well. Um, but I, I just adored her. And um, that warmth and that welcome, wel welcoming energy is echoed in her performance as Bella. And that fantastic accent, I mean... She's just the best. <laughs> Is there a thing that spoke to you with the character of Nadia that you were like, I totally know this. I, I, I identify with this so strongly. Um, what, what in her couldn't you relate to? The fact that she was so resigned to her fate that she thought, I know how this is going to end. There's no point in trying to change anything. And then that shift into the hope and the the determination that I have control over my destiny, that I, I dictate where my life goes. Of course, there's aspects of fortune and the universe and all that. But I think once you take your life by the reins, you really start to guide where it goes. Um, and I think that's been true for me in my life and being afraid to take risks um, and then throwing caution to the wind and jumping in with both feet has been terrifying, but equally rewarding for me. <laughs> and I, I think in part of your performance that really shines through is, is that, uh, you know, you had that, you were playing all of those things, all of those, those, those notes so beautifully. It was like, uh, one in one moment you were, doing that thing where you resigned and the other thing where you're like oh maybe i've got the chance here and um and also just being strong not being somebody who's going to be just 
carried along. Uh, and I like that those I like those moments like when you would fight back with Gil and you'd fight against Bella when they were trying to, you know, you're not just going to be a pushover about stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I just really love that element of it. Thank you, Kevin. That's thanks to you. You you directed us so beautifully in those moments. And I, I as a person, tend to try and shy away from a fight. So it was really fun to to get in there and yeah. <laughs> fight for well, Nadia needed. Yeah, I mean, you're you know you're the love interest, so sometimes it's easy just to sort of just play that that uh, two dimensional side of of that and. Um, but to dig in a little bit was was makes is what makes it kind of real and what I think is resonating with people, you know. And I also love that about this podcast is that you welcomed humor, and and it's it's really fun to be a female and be funny. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, and the other thing that I wanted from the get go is I, I I told all of you guys look don't don't try and be funny just play the yeah. situation. Of course. And it and it will be funny. Um and that's, you know, not to be critical of other other shows, but I think in, in the comedy realm that I've heard a lot of, it's you know, they try so hard to tell jokes and stuff in, in this podcast format as opposed to just honestly playing scenes. And if if people buy into the characters, the character's journey, the character's problem, when something incongruous happens, you know, it'll mm-hmm. naturally be funny and mm-hmm. i and i also was like don't be afraid to not be funny because a lot of this podcast gets gets uh you know serious and that's okay too how about failure <laughs> should i should i talk michael yeah yeah kevin let's let's talk about failure um, it started when i was into this conversation <laughs> well can you relate to us some of your experiences just feeling like the universe was against you, Jamie. Recount, Ann. Jamie Ann, recount all of your failures. Yeah, let's for let's us. hear. Well, tell us about the things you didn't book. Like I didn't know for real. I did on Facebook one time. I was like, I'm starting a whole thread on didn't book it. I didn't book that one. Yes. <laughs> tell us about the jobs you didn't book. Tell us. Well, let's get the- out the list. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's that's such a huge part of any life in the arts is constant, constant rejection. Um, and that's what I think is so, so beautiful and resilient about us is that we just keep picking ourselves up and keep going. Um, and it only makes you stronger, you know, and you can learn from every single situation. Um, but failure and I, we have a interesting relationship. (laughs) I remember someone asked a group like, what's your biggest fear? And people were like, spiders, snakes. And I brought it down and I was like, failure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's, it's not a thing to be afraid of. It's, um, it's where you learn the most, I think. So I'm not, I'm curious, like growing up outside of Denver, I mean, it's, I don't know a lot of actors who are coming from there. So, and it is such a, you know, I came from a small sort of place as well. And it's, you are setting yourself up for failure. I mean, if you tell us where Kevin, uh, Niagara Falls, New York, I grew up in. Um, So small, you know, small city. And 
you know, New York and Los Angeles are a long way away from Niagara Falls and Denver. So <laughs> how, how did you get involved in, in this business and and what made you think that you could uh, you could make a dent in it? Well, I got my my start. Um, I was extremely shy um, as a little kid. Um, and except when I was around my family, I was a little ham in front of the family. Um, but in second grade, a, a teacher encouraged me to uh, do the after school program and do the play. And um, I played the piece of bread. To oh, that's, that's a good that's a good role. <laughs> to well, critical in a, acclaim, you said? <laughs> in a sandwich, it's a really important role. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think the the bug kind of continued to grow from there and did um uh plays in high school. I had a wonderful drama teacher, Scott Ogle. Um, and he uh he definitely made me love theater, went on to study it at school at the University of Northern Colorado. Um, and then after the University of Northern Colorado, I became a company member at the Colorado Shakespeare Festival. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I worked in and around the Denver community for um, several years. And the Denver and Colorado theater community is unbelievable. Some of the most wonderful plays I've ever seen have come out of Colorado. Um, and I feel very lucky and fortunate to be a part of that community. Um, I still consider myself a part of that community. Um, and then one day I was like, well, if I'm going to try a coast, I, I've got to just pack my bags and go. And so one night I was like, I picked a date and I was like, I'm going to move to New York <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, bought a one way ticket and moved out here. And I had a lot of friends. Um, I had a, a, a community here to land on, which was so wonderful and uplifting. And I credit any tiny bit of success I've had to them um, and my family. Um, so yeah, that was my journey to New York City. And then now you've been in New York. You have been on Broadway. I have. As of you have month. made it. <laughs> you made it. You did it. <laughs> it's the podcast that gave her the strength. to. Yes. Get, yes. We were the wind the show. beneath your wings. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yes, you are on Broadway right now as we speak. Mm -hmm. Not not like right right now. You're you're in your apartment, but I have to go there in a couple hours. Um, We'll cut it short. (laughs) No, Um, I uh, am very lucky to be understudying all of the women in a brilliant, hilarious new play called The Cottage, written by Sandy Rustin and directed by Jason Alexander. Um, it's a phenomenal cast, a phenomenal story. It's so funny. If you want to come laugh, come, come visit us. Um, or you by have the gone on, you have gone on. I did. I went on the day after my birthday. Oh my God. What and it's, I, I think, I think I, I, I passed a couple of, of emails back and forth with Jamie Ann and I said, you know, whenever I would get an audition for an understudy, I, I would I already start breaking out in hives, worrying that I would actually book the gig because you definitely have to have the right mindset <laughs> to be an understudy because you don't know when you're going to have to go on. And I and you have do no not rehearsal. have that. And you have no rehearsal. So I tell mean, us. You do have rehearsal, but it's. So how much rehearsal did you have? And and it, you're all understudying in multiple parts, which is a bigger, even bigger nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually getting anxious just thinking about it. Uh, so, so tell us, can you tell us how many, the whole deal, what's the, how many parts, uh, when you, how much time you had 
prior to knowing you'd go on and so forth? Well, um, <laughs> I'm understudying the three women and they're on stage pretty much the whole show off and on. But I have um, three fellow understudies who are fantastic. Um, and there's two women, two men, and we all cover all the characters. Oh, okay. Um, and we were invited to be a part of the rehearsal process from day one. Oh, so wow, that's great. Watch everything. Um, we would, you know, make a little makeshift set in the lobby and run the scenes. Um, but uh, we had had one official understudy rehearsal, but I had rehearsed another character. Um, and then I got the call, and then the next day oh. I went, to do a put-in rehearsal with the entire no. cast. No. They were so welcoming and wonderful and uh, really buoyed us up. And I just, you know, on stage, you're terrified, but I looked in their eyes and they're like, we're here for you. Anything you need. And it was just a great experience. Did you get to do it again after that or just the one and done? Yeah, I got to do five performances, which was oh, oh fantastic. That's like what that's more than most people get to do of of any role in any run. Mm-hmm. I was very very fortunate, um, and it was a blast. Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy—it's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table. Featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics, they all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. And Decent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Was Jason Alexander there? Did he get to see you do it? No, no, he had already flown back to um, his home in L.A., I think, um, because we had just opened the week prior. What was he like as a director? Well, you know, he's a he's a comedy legend. You know, everyone everyone knows and loves and respects his work. And he he really understands um, comedic beats and comedic bits. Um, and so he was able to to put his signature on Sandy's beautiful play. Um, and audiences have just been laughing nonstop throughout the whole show. And it's 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 really wonderful. And the the felt my fellow um castmates, the 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 regular team, they're phenomenal comedians. Um, and the the play that they created with Jason and Sandy. Um, it's it's just wonderful and sings and I'm really grateful to be a part of it. Okay. Have you ever read anybody's tarot cards in real life? Like, have you ever done a reading? Yes, I have. I'm learning. Um, you're, you're learning? Yeah, I am. What you, <laughs> what, what's, what's involved in the training? Well, I have this wonderful tarot deck um, from the wild unknown. They're beautiful cards. Um, and it comes with a little booklet that tells you what each card means. Um, and I, I'm just been, I've been doing card, plant, reading Ben's cards or friends cards, just trying to teach myself. And, um, it's really fun. The and wild I, unknown. Yeah. I think it's called the wild unknown. Kevin, have you ever heard of that? Um, I, I, it sounds familiar. Like when I was looking through a bunch of decks, you know, there's, there, there are a bunch of different designers and, and stuff that, 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 uh, 
and that does sound familiar, but I don't remember it off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Is that, and that terminology, like the spread, all of that, is that all that you use those <laughs> that's 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 accurate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You did your research, Kevin? I did my research, although Jamie, and as I told Lila and when we interviewed her, I, I was too terrified to get my own cards read. <laughs> Wait a minute. We could do this in this interview. Jamie Ann, you could read Kevin's cards right now. Oh, no. Oh, I want to. I'm too, I'm too, uh, I'm too superstitious. I, I, yeah, I, I should have done it, but I, I didn't. So, but I would look at the card, I'd read them and I'd, you know, mm-hmm. and I would just imagine how if, if somebody who was a really mean tarot card reader, how they could really just mess with your, with your mind and throw you for a loop, especially, you know, uh, weak weak-minded people such as myself so i should it, have my my wife read them to me because my wife sees the absolute positive in in everything yeah that would be very nadia like if she was like um, <laughs> um, um it's good it's good no no no, no. this is this no, is it's good but that is death, it that death card yeah it's like the, is all of this true like you have to kind of get into the vibe you got to light the candles there's all the like the lead up to it is that does that all play a part sure i mean i think it's it's to each individual it's um you know some people do it just for fun some people really invest and believe in the cards and what they say um and i i think i might be a little mix of both um because who knows? You never know. They might guide you toward what you need to do. <laughs> I have a true story to tell you. I have done a tarot card reading. And it was you did the joke. reading or I did I did the reading. Okay. I had a neighbor in Ashland, Oregon. And people who know Ashland, you'll you'll appreciate this because it is so Ashland. But our neighbor was a tarot card reader, a professional tarot card reader, and we lived together in a co-housing community which is redundant really because Ashland, Oregon is basically a co-housing community. <laughs> so it was, it was a co-housing community within a co-housing community. And you had these these sort of group dinners twice a week where everybody cooked for everybody else. And it was, her name was Juna and it was her birthday. She was in her probably uh, mid sixties. And I jokingly went up to her and said, and for your birthday, I'll give you a tarot card reading. And she held me to it. She said, I, you have to. She said, I accept your your birthday gift. And like we had to schedule the time and everything. And I went to her house and I did a reading. And what, and I, and what, what were you saying? Well, she what I remember most about it is she had me look at the cards and tell her and interpret them what the pictures meant. Mm hmm. And I remember distinctly, you know, there's the image of a woman embarking on a path. And, you know, I I interpreted all these things. I said, I think this means that this person's at a passage and she's about to go on a huge journey and there's a big life change happening. And uh, but it's all good. And I think she finds somebody really important at the end of it. And uh, I think she's going to stay where she gets. And then she told me that she was about to move to Bali with her boyfriend. And she did. Wow. And to this day, she says it was the best tarot <laughs> reading she'd ever gotten. <laughs> I love it. I think you have a new business. I am a psychic as well. Wow. And you, and you stopped at one, one and done? One and done. I'm not doing that shit again, never. <laughs> 
scared me. It scared me. Yeah. See, that's the my problem. It scares the hell out of me. It's my, it's my, uh, yeah, my my Catholic upbringing. It's like, does it creep you out, Jamie Ann? Or do you do? You, clearly not. You're you do it. I don't think there's anything to be scared of. It's not. Nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> I would not want to go to a tarot card reader who said nothing's gonna happen. Or maybe I would. <laughs> don't worry. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Oh. Have you? Okay, back to to the life of Nadia and how it relates to the life of Jamie Ann. Have you ever been in a relationship with somebody who you really felt was just a total failure? <laughs> a loser? No. <laughs> um No, I think uh I think as a partner it's your job to uplift and encourage your your fellow life traveler. <laughs> Um, and, uh, I don't think I ever see anyone as a failure or, um, doomed. I think everyone has the the power to get themselves out of a hole or change their luck. Um, and did, and did you feel like me, like, uh, like I, that is what I sort of like thought about Gil is he, he was this guy that every, that everybody likes and smart and funny and, but just doesn't like just things don't kind of roll his way I mean I, I feel like I could rattle off about like 10 people I know like that um and you'd like wonder what 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 is the impediment you know mm -hmm. well I mean I do believe in like uh uh you attract what you put out so if mm -hmm. you think you're a failure, if you think everything's awful, I think you're just going to keep seeing all the negativity that keeps coming your way. But if you really try to shift your your focus, and I'm working on this myself, um, and and try to see the positive and say I I am capable, I am strong, um, then I think you're going to receive that energy back from the universe. I really believe that. Maybe I should have her read my tarot cards. That's not pretty good. That's kind of that's kind of also like what Lila said to us yesterday, Kevin. Yeah, isn't it? Lila was talking about like she's like some days you feel like you walk outside your front door, like she lives in New York City, and she's like, and you you you, you do miss the, the the subway by a second, and you you know whatever you step in a puddle or whatever. She's like sometimes it just feels like the city is against you that day, and. Yeah, and I do think that that is another reason why people seem to be resonating with with this story is uh, I think people can relate to that feeling, you know. You're not human if you can't relate to that feeling. Can we talk more about like your podcast experience with Next Chapter Podcasts and talk about the writers, right? So there's William Shakespeare and there's Kevin Henderson. Right. <laughs> can we can compare and contrast? Who's I'm better? Uh, who's more fun? <laughs> How do you compare two giants, two greats? That's, uh, oh, I love it. I love it. But seriously, so um, you've done so much Shakespeare. How does it help you as an actor? I mean, I know this is such a stupid question, right? Because actors get this question all the time, but really, really it's not a stupid question how how does it help you how does it prepare you for things like in the cards really and honestly hmm. 
I mean, I think if anything, and Kevin, you said this too, uh, it's all rooted in honesty. Um, and, you know, Shakespeare can be so beautiful and so poetic that it, you know, people always think about it as like, it's too highfalutin. But if you deliver those lines with honesty and truth behind it, it, it feels real um, and understandable and relatable. There's a reason why Shakespeare has been around for hundreds and hundreds of years. It's because the stories are relatable to our everyday lives still. Um, you know, romance, betrayal, death. Um, so I think that that's how Shakespeare has helped me as an actor. Um, also Shakespeare, the, the emotions of it are so high, you know, it's either elation or deep despair and we don't get to navigate those emotions in our everyday life so, so often. So it's, it's been good to explore that. Um, and then getting to do something contemporary like this, it's uh, it's been a real, real treat. <laughs> well, and I, and I will say, let me re relate myself to William Shakespeare a little bit more here. Um, the the language, <clears throat> obviously it's contemporary, but it's so important. And, um, and when you're writing a comedy, the rhythm of stuff is so important and uh, people's facility that our cast of in the cars uh our cast members facility with language is really what makes this thing sing i mean even though it's very colloquial and uh there's a there's been a real care in how each of those sentences and pieces of punctuation are put together and everybody really respected that a lot of times when people <clears throat> you know having done been in the film and tv world there's a lot of actors who tend to be in that a little bit more, feel a real freedom to just say whatever the hell they feel like going off of the script. Um, and if you're writing something with a rhythm, it, it can really screw things up. And this cast, I was so thankful, respected what was there on the page. And I think it, it just, uh, they fell into that rhythm really wonderfully. And because when you're a trained actor doing stuff like Shakespeare, you understand how words are put together, how sentences are put together and and how to make it all work. And, and you guys all, all just did a great job at that. What? I'm going to add to this in comparing you to William Shakespeare. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, we when we do the Shakespeare podcast for Play On, um, you know, I hear these episodes over and over and over again because we have the rehearsal, we have, then we do the takes and then we are, we're in, editing which you know that what that's like kevin you're listening to everything like with a fine-tooth comb and then you hear all the mixes and then you have to proof the master and everything and with shakespeare i'm I'm always getting new things in these podcasts every time i hear them every time i hear cobweb for instance <laughs> i hear new brilliance. no but really every you get something new out of it and that I, I would never have thought that that would happen with, um you know, no offense, but in the cards, right? I mean, in the cards, it's a, it's a rom-com kind of thing, but it's got so much depth and there's so much dimension to it. There's, you know, like, so we've listened over and over again to episode five, which finally got published, which has a whole like deep philosophical debate about modal realism. <laughs> 
And it's funny. And, but every single time I've listened to it, I got more out of it. I learned actually, I literally learned from the debate. Mm -hmm. Kevin, you made learning fun. <laughs> Which is why it's going to be an educational podcast. We can put educational <laughs> as one of our hooks. Yes. Yes. Well, I, I, it was interesting, like for Gil, uh, you know, he had to find ways that he, he could make his journey work, even if it didn't make sense. So that's why he found that that idea of modal realism, which is a little bit out there. And and my worry to you, Michael, was that I, I hope it doesn't get too too heady and so forth that we lose people. Jamie Ann, <laughs> what part do you want to play more than any? Do you have your heart set on a part? Um, just any part? Yeah, any part in the world. Oh. I've heard people say this before, but it's true. I I don't know if it's written yet. Um, oh my god! Okay, fine. <laughs> um, but no, that's like, cheating. That's cheating. I um, I'll it tell you. Written. I'll tell you like something that has been written, but I I do love working on new work. Um, yeah, some that's fun. On Shakespeare a lot. It's it's really exciting to uh to work on something that's new and changing. Um, like the the cottage is a is a play that um had a life before Broadway, but it was also changing new lines. Um, I love seeing brains come together in a room and uh, work together to create a piece of art. I just think it's so fantastic. Um, so I would I would love to do I would love to play like a a strong heroine um i would also love to play like a marvel villain um <laughs> and i would love to play beatrice one day there lady, you go. lady m and if i could get over the fear maybe maybe a hamlet oh my wow. god that's it that's <laughs> okay you're that's your next season at the colorado shakespeare festival <laughs> Yeah. No, they, they already had a female Hamlet. My dear friend Lena Klingerman, who was brilliant. Oh yes, and and Lena was in uh, one of our series. She's wonderful. She's well, fantastic. and you're you're also not just an actor. Not that any just an actor should never be a a, a, a phrase, but because actors are being an actor is a lot. But in addition to being an actor, you are a director. I am. Um, I've recently stepped uh, a toe into the directing pool, um, and it's a it's a whole different side of this uh, crazy career. And I really, really loved it. Um, I I enjoy working with actors. Like I said, I love getting brains in a room and hearing ideas and seeing art come together. It's um it's really really great, and to be able to be the person who helps orchestrate it. Um, and tie everything in together was um, a huge responsibility and a great, great honor. Um, I remember you said something to me when we we were toasting our great success with uh, in the cards. We were talking about directing, and you said that it's it's hard to leave so soon, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get to be a part of the fun, really. After you're you're part of the preparation. And you get to let it set sail, but then because the fun is running the play as an actor, right? And being in that community, but in a, a director has to kind of detach and move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I less mourned the the being in the performance aspect of it. I just 
the play that I directed was in Colorado, The River Bride at the Arvada Center. Um, I just loved the people so much and I loved watching the story every night and the, the beautiful design. I had the most incredible design team. Um, I just mourned that I wasn't able to see it one more time. Um, and, and I had to say goodbye to this beautiful project that was going to go live a life without me. I imagine it must be a tiny shred of what it feels like to, to have a child and have your heart live outside your body. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really fun and really wonderful. And I hope the, to do more. You will. I have to well, say this, The River Bride, written by? Maricela Trevino Horta. Which you did at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival with? Lori Willery and your wife, Nancy Rodriguez. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who also was... plays Monica. Brilliant. Yes. She's brilliant. Yeah, she, great. she also does, she also plays the part of the carnival psychic, which is in episode seven. And she kills, she kills in that role too. I just, was just listening to that. <clears throat> hey, Kevin, I'm trying to figure out ways to keep Jamie Ann with us. But I, uh, I, I'm running out of. Okay. Well, maybe I should tell her what my dream role is. You don't. You didn't ask me. What is your dream What's, role? No, no, your dream role for Jamie Ann. What's your no, dream for myself? Role for, no, let's, you're gonna let's write pull Jamie this back Ann's to me. Role. No, my I, my dream role is I. I always wanted to do Romeo. It's not too late. And I, it's not too late, and I'll tell you why. I tell tell my wife Amy this. I'm like, okay, Amy, when we when we're old enough, like we're I'm past Romeo age, but we could go move to like, you know, when the time comes, go to move to one of those older communities and go in as the youngest people in the older community and become part of their theater group. And then we could play Romeo and Juliet because we'll be the youngest ones there. Pretty good, right, Michael? Yeah. It's my next yeah. it's my next it's my next podcast. Uh, <laughs> like story. Meryl Streep and Kevin Klein. Yeah, Just I think it's brilliant. Exactly. <laughs> do it <laughs> Jamie Ann Romero ah you too we this love you in yes. case it wasn't obvious we love you thank you so much yes. for taking time out of your very busy Broadway life and doing this interview and doing this podcast series what yeah. a gift oh I, I feel so lucky thank you so much thank you thank you you've been listening to the bonus content series for In the Cards you can learn more about In the Cards at Next Chapter Podcast website, ncpodcast.com. That's N as in next, C as in chapter, podcasts with an S at the end.com, where you can find other bonus content series and interviews, along with talk podcasts like The 500, The 10, Beef with Bridget Todd, and a whole lot more, not to mention the Play on Podcast series. I'd like to thank Jeremiah Tittle, the founder of Next Chapter Podcasts, and my producer, Pete Musto. Our audio engineer, editor, and sound designer is the one and only Justin Cortese. Be sure to subscribe to Next Chapter Podcast for updates on all the latest content. And don't forget to rate and review our shows because it really, really helps. I'm Michael Goodfriend, and I look forward to sharing more incredible works with you, along with lots of enlightening bonus content at Next Chapter Podcast. Next Chapter Podcasts.